This is demonic. <gasps> and it wasn't fair. And she had psychological child trauma. So do we need a trigger warning for this? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to put that in there, are we putting that in there? Or is that going to be on Patreon? I don't know. I don't freaking know either. I kind of think Patreon. Yeah. That's pretty bad, huh? That's a lot. That's like if a, a kid heard that. I'd be traumatized. Yeah. That's a lot. That's just like a world that you shouldn't know exists no, until I, you're at least 25. I'm an adult and I can't wrap my brain around that. We need to talk about the Kennedy siblings. Episode 19. Welcome to Blood and Business. I'm Bethany. And I'm Cassie. So... I'm going to be starting with the Peter Lawford story, Life with the Kennedys, Monroe, and the Rat Pack by Patricia Seaton Lawford. Even when we were doing Peter Lawford's story, I had absolutely zero idea about Marilyn Monroe, like how close they were. Oh, for sure. Me neither. So I when found I, out that they dated and I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, it doesn't shocked. feel like they would run in the same circle at all because Peter Lawford seems like less of a star, obviously, than yeah. Marilyn Monroe. But they were literally a part of the same circle. Peter must have been a lot more famous than we, we understand. Absolutely, for sure. But also, I was thinking this book that the wife, like his last wife, yeah, was trying to was be just like, like throwing it in so uh-huh. that she could like sell more copies or just be like, you want to read this? Isn't it enticing? He knew Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, like a, a YouTube, TikTok, clickbait. Yes. No, they literally were like best friends. She died. And one of her last calls was, was Peter. To Peter Lawford. Oh. One of the last people she ever saw was Peter Lawford. Because she knew that they cared about her. Okay, this is nuts. Marilyn was a woman whose life Peter could understand. She had been abused as a child to a degree that troubled her throughout her life. She was not particularly well-educated, yet, like Peter, she had a good mind. Okay, I'll do the dog poop story. Okay. That also paints more of Peter. And shows you that it was probably less Pat and more Peter that was like, this kid needs his own freaking apartment. He needs to get I I will not come home again if like me is me or the kid. Yeah. Basically is what I think Pat was faced with. Oh my gosh. And Pat picked him. I'm shocked. I want to know more about them too. Like I want, I just like for my own personal, I I don't know. BTS or many Here's the thing. Because somebody messaged us and was like. You said that they're best. Like, well, I mean, and even just looking at how they came together and like were such teammates for Marilyn. And yeah. with the whole Frank thing, like they're on the same page with it's like so much. Like, uh, like more than like charitable and in like a team Social. mindset. Yeah. For that. But then for each other, they're like, you get not a lot of slack. I don't know. I gotta pee. Because like they were best friends. Like they were on each other's team for each other as well. Like if they would have never gotten married and they were just best friends, they could have done it. It was the whole sex thing that ruined them. Like, even the fact that Peter Lawford married her, he didn't want to get married. I know, you're right. Like, he just actually liked her a lot. Yeah, and people want to say, oh, that's you with the Kennedy. No. No. He dated Marilyn Monroe. He could have married Marilyn Monroe. 
tell this next story for the proof of evidence. And here we return to, quote, Although they remained friends throughout her life, the dating aspect did not even last the first evening. This is Peter Lawford talking about when he dated Marilyn Monroe in like the early 50s. And he's telling Patricia Seton Lawford his fourth wife. So she's writing this. Peter told me that when he arrived at her house, she told him she needed additional time to get ready. What a surprise. Lateness, he was to learn, was a classic Monroe trait. And that evening's delay lasted an hour. However, it was not the lateness that bothered Peter. Marilyn had a dog that was not housebroken, yet was kept in the house. Everywhere Peter looked in the living room, small piles, some fresh and some at least a day or two old, were in evidence. <laughs> How horrific. I was just devastated and I, I wanted, wanted to, to go, go home. home. <laughs> oh, okay, that might be, this might be the most appropriate most usage context. of that quote. Absolutely. Marilyn had not only not trained the dog, she apparently was oblivious to his fouling of her home. Peter spent that hour using paper towels and cleaning supplies he found in the kitchen to remove the animal waste. (laughs) Although they liked each other enormously, he never considered dating her ever again. (laughs) That was a deal breaker. And I'm done. this. (laughs) We're done. The idea of going to bed with Marilyn disgusted him. So what Pat told her, she was even like playing it down. He felt that her personal hygiene was probably as bad as her housekeeping, something he could not tolerate when he thought of physical intimacy. In fact, he could not finish the evening with her, though he was comfortable having her in his home for card games and dinner over the years. It's like, okay, I can't come to you, but you can come to me. That's okay. Oh my gosh. Was she just like perpetually depressed? Like and I and I think know. she I think it was more that she lived in her own little world. Well that and then she I feel like she had a lack of I mean, she had a decent foster family, the Bullenders. But I don't know if she just like was never missed taught out on yeah. some of that like things that you think are common a sense. given, but you learned them from your mom who or your dad from that really really cares about like how you turn out in life and like sometimes foster parents are not so invested in long term mm -hmm. yeah as an adult are you gonna have these skills it's so true too because okay like you don't i don't really know how did i learn how to take a shower and i grandparents moms like mm -hmm. they're teaching you those things and for sure she she didn't have obviously the care and attention that a lot of other kids have even in her finances, like she was always, yeah, yeah, she, like she, she was not managing her life really in any aspect: emotional, physical, right. monetary, mental, household, <laughs> even her job. Like I mean, people were dragging her to work, putting makeup on her face while she's sleeping. Like she wasn't managing anything: her no. sleep schedule, her her. But it's not like she just wasn't trying. Like she, it wasn't that she was lazy. It's that she literally didn't understand. In the areas of her life where it was in, like, it's like the survival and the mm. smart ways of 
coping, of getting what you want. She, of, like, you're right. She knew those things. She's like a street smart kid who's in survival mode for her whole life. Yes. If I make myself more attractive, I survive. People come to my aid. People right. want to be around me. But actual like long-term well-being was Zero. non-existent. Survival phenom. Genius. Like that part of her brain was fully developed. Yep. She was very intelligent. And they do talk about the amygdala in child psychology. Yeah. And like you can well, just literally, in or yeah. in psychology in general, you can like literally live out of that forever. And then you have to, but you literally feel can't safe get... enough to ever move out of that. And mm-hmm. she never felt safe because she never mm-hmm. had a family. She never had she was security. Always on her own. Yeah. She was never financially, emotionally, physically secure, actually. So yeah, she just lived her entire life in survival mode, which literally doesn't allow you to tap into the rest of your brain. Like and the it long-term... prevents you from learning. But thinking about what we know now and then what they knew in 1961 and 1962 when she was on her deathbed clinging on for dear life, people definitely didn't know what to do with her. But it was also evident that like like Frank Sinatra knew, he his medical knowledge might have been zero, but he knew uh, Dr. Greenson is not taking care of you. Well, yeah. Like you are being failed on a level that isn't because of the time or right. finances or whatever. Yeah. Like there's just... It was severe. It was more severe than that. I mean, Rosemary was taken care of for the time. Yes. Marilyn was not. No. But he's like, even in that, she like survived enough to get someone to be there for her, care about her. Like he was a very attentive doctor, but he wasn't making good decisions for her. And someone who had... He was, yeah, he was like, there's something there. The next paragraph starts with Peter and Joe Nair double dated that night. So like he was there like super early on before the Kennedys were even on scene. Um, It's like hard to keep all these names, like keep track of all these people. But I wanted to circle back to him again because he gave a little bit of insight on Marilyn and he has known Peter and Marilyn and everybody for this long. Like he was a pretty good friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry. So they double dated that night, Peter and Joe Nair. Joe's date was a woman named Barbara Darrow. Peter had been so upset by Marin- Marilyn's acceptance of the dog waste that as Joe tells it, quote, he said to me, will you take Marilyn home? <laughs> And I said, sure. He said, I'll take Barbara. You take Marilyn. Oh my gosh. That was so swapped. And so Joe took Marilyn home for him because he's like, I cannot return to the scene of the crime. (laughs) That is severe, like a severe aversion to uncleanliness. Yeah, he didn't even have to go inside. I guess he he probably was like worried that she was going to invite him in. But he's not worried that she, that you're literally just ditching her on your first date. Correct. So just say, no, I'm not going in. Yeah, he should have just said, no, I, I have to get up early tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I've got to go home. <laughs> um, but it does, like you said, give some insight into why Mr. Christopher Lawford had to have his own apartment as an infant as an across infant. the street. Because clearly, Peter, and we're laughing. It's so sad. It's so sad. And knowing what we know about Peter's childhood, it definitely could have had something to do with... Because... Had to have. Something that extreme, like that... That is linked to that type of abuse. You got your infant a separate 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a specific, it all has to do with the same. Yeah. Well, and the, and I th- feel like that's a known thing that yes, aversions to that or obsessions are, with it are, are a pretty good indicator telling. that you need to look into. Yes. Mm-hmm. Abuse. Yeah. For sure. Um, so that's sad to judge him about it. Because no, I'm not judging him about it. it. It's still, it's sad that your infant has to lo- not live with you. <laughs> no, it's for sure sad. But yeah, we're not judging. But I don't feel like I, I feel like he's so, <laughs> he I give him a pass in my, in my mind. That's what Me I'm too. saying. I literally, at the beginning of recording, yeah, it was either this or the mini said that I don't want to help. I don't want to hold any of them accountable. I don't know I what know. that is in me, but I, I just feel like they're all literally just broken little children mm-hmm. and they're tr- they're actually trying their best. Like they are genuinely yeah. applying themselves, yeah, showing up every wanting day. Wanting to improve the world, wanting to bring joy to other people. Yeah. And I think that, that uh, I had that like sort of revelation in, was it Kick's episode? Because you said, because I am like a harsh critic and I'm like, she step away from the bowl. Don't flush your life away, yeah. kid, you know? And I want people to like all be Bobby and Eunice and Jack. I mean, I've been harsh to her as well. But you said that she could have been like a part of the arts or yeah. like brought joy to people's lives, changed people's lives through writing, Hosting whatever it parties is. parties even. Parties. Yeah. Just gathering people together. Yeah. Different than just like being a social justice warrior. Right. And I totally see that now with Frank, Marilyn, Peter. Yeah. Like they did contribute what, more than the average. They used what they were good at. I think what actually bothers me is not like even what area you do contribute in, mm-hmm. but that if you are contributing or not. Yeah. Like, are you in the ring or are you a watcher? Are you a watcher, are you a watcher, or, a watcher player? or a player? If you're a player, mad respect. Even if you are... I hate to say it, but honestly, like if I'm actually honest with myself, no matter if you are for like full on good or full on bad, if you're doing something, if you're contributing in some way, I feel like that's more respectable than if you're just a watcher. Like in the the Meep Geese episode where we talk about Anne Frank and MLK and Mm -hmm. the Kennedys, it's the good men who do nothing. Mm -hmm. The good men who do nothing are the worst because it's like they know and they're still not doing it. I feel like the people who are pure evil and doing the most cruel things on the earth, they, there's something wrong with them. They don't know. They're not aware. I don't know if they fully don't know, but there's definitely something severely wrong with them. And usually that is a result of an experience or five or a million. So, or some sort of brain chemistry. Like there's yeah. something going you on with you. You're not <laughs> a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that is understandable. The good people who know who are fine and who then just choose nothing, to be lazy. Yeah. Who, t- who choose to look away. Mm-hmm. So much worse for me. I don't understand that. Yeah. And that made me think of this quote that I love that's really long and I wish I could just memorize it one day I will. But it's by Theodore Roosevelt. Hey, hey, and we come right patrons. back. <laughs> we come right back. Theodore Roosevelt said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, 
because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history, the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. It's that same... Get out there and do something. Yep. Do something for these children. What's the other one? We have a responsibility to help them. And in fact, the innately talented and privileged have a responsibility to help them. And it's true. And that, my friends, is the Kennedy Bible. That is. And he carved away himself. Quote. Marilyn was desperate for male approval. Her numerous lovers and husbands, her several abortions, all attesting to this fact. She wanted attention any way she could get it and told the story of her childhood to one interviewer. The wish for attention had something to do, I think, with my trouble in church on Sundays. No sooner was I in the pew with the organ playing and everybody singing a hymn than the impulse would come to me... This story is going to just go on Patreon because it's far too inappropriate for the podcast. So, if you want to know, if you want to know what we're talking about, head over to Patreon. As a child, that is severe, severe abuse. I mean, and that's all there is to say. That's so sad. Wait, do do people know what happened to her? Marilyn also knew how to create a personal history that would enable her to get away with what, for the time, were outrageous actions. She willingly posed naked for a photographer, an act considered shocking in its day. Then, when the photograph was purchased by Hugh Hefner in 1953 for a calendar that would be part of his new magazine, Playboy, she took a newspaper reporter, Aline Mosby, into her confidence to tell her that she was the subject. Marilyn claimed that she had been without food or work for so long that she decided to pose for the photograph in order to get enough to eat. It was a good story, a touching story. And Marilyn had certainly known hard times in the manner of so many aspiring actresses. Yet, her decision appeared to be as calculated and voluntary as her letting her hair down. She was doing it for fame. Yes. Not for hunger. In the Unheard Tapes documentary, they said that the people who worked in Hollywood back then said that the absolutely disgusting producers would have lists of people who would sleep with them for roles. And like, that's how you booked jobs because there was enough people who were like willing to do that. And like no checks and balances that they just literally had written down lists and Marilyn was one of the ones that everyone knew would sleep with whoever for whatever job. Wow. She like has nothing so early on. You know what I mean? Nothing Nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. Exactly. 
She had already been abused. She had no family. She had no reputation. She had no nothing. There were other tricks as well. Marilyn was known for her walk, a movement that made her back end almost as famous as her face and bust line. It seems that Marilyn would cut a quarter of an inch off of one heel of one of her high-heeled shoes. It was not enough of a change to be noticed by a passerby. It was just enough so that it was impossible to walk completely evenly. There would be a little dip that would cause her rear end to wiggle. <laughs> that is she so, was like this stuff like that when I'm like you are a genius. Are so smart. Like a marketing genius. She basically just took off. You know how like the bottom of a high heel will have that like really hard plastic Solid, part? Yeah. She basically just took that off. So it's like that is you like could such not finite detail though. Notice. And people think she's an idiot. That's like Lana Del Rey level of sitting in your room and just carving out a character. A character. Yep. It's nuts to look at these like hugely famous people. And you just, I don't know, growing up, I'm just thinking like, oh, Marilyn is just beautiful. She's just that sexual. And she's just that famous because of who she naturally is. Uh Her body and... She's turns out turns out she's working out like crazy in the 1940s when nobody's working out. Working out is not a thing. She's cutting inches off of her high heels. She's bleaching her hair. Yes, like hours and hours getting ready. Yeah, hours. Yeah, that's literally wearing wigs. Like they just you know the modern Marilyn Monroe for sure Kardashians. Yeah. Yeah, like and Truly. now they're just getting surgery. <laughs> Full on surgery. Doing what other people aren't doing to their body. Correct. She was doing what other people Extreme aren't doing things, to their yeah, body. Yeah, for their appearance. Uh-huh. What's also so funny is I learned just recently that not only Jackie, but also Ethel wore wigs. <laughs> and their hair is like not even that crazy. You know what I mean? Like, Jackie's hair is massive, but uh, Ethel's hair could be also massive. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm literally like, maybe that's, I just assumed it was like an insane amount of teasing, teasing and hairspray. product. Yeah. Straight up wig. And guess what? People had wondered about that for literally years, like five years. And guess who found out? Said, like, let the cat, cat out of the bag. Who? Joan. Joan. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's so funny. I she, Jackie tried to get me to wear wigs and I just, I couldn't do it. She wears wigs all the time. She da, 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 da. It gets printed, published in a newspaper and the Kennedy family is like, thanks, Joan. That's great. We've literally been dodging questions about that for years. And Joan is just like, by the way, Jackie they wears wear wigs. wigs. I would never. People come around with their dictaphone. I would never. <laughs> literally, She's all literally like, Gluing her hair on. Yeah. Yeah. And Joan is like, people come around here with wigs and I just am all natural. I'm this. I don't know if she meant it like that or if she's literally like, no, some of the things she says, I'm like, are you just not at all? Like, I think she got in front of editors and interviewers and just, just diarrhea of the mouth, like panicked. (laughs) And she didn't know what to say. And she was not raised in like a political whatever. And Jackie was just so much more calculated in charge of herself. Yeah. yeah. Even Ethel said some stupid stuff sometimes. 
Well, yeah, that I can imagine. <laughs> Bobby's so quiet that it's like, how do you? Like Ethel just talked too much because she that's was bound to say something. Joan didn't have practice to like know what to say and what not to say, because Ted didn't freaking include her in on yeah. anything. We'll get there. Maybe she'll get there. But so when she did have to do interviews by herself, she had nothing to go off of, and so she's just like, "I don't talk, so this is what I have to say." Anyway. She did a lot of fact that she was married to a Kennedy. That is not so discreet, Joan. Literally, like, <laughs> how so, <laughs> Joan? Telling us it's Joan. Literally. You're right, though. I don't think that she meant to say it's Joan. So she's just. Yeah. There's a lot of instances where I'm just like, <laughs> well. <laughs> um, but one time Bobby was like, Ethel, if you're going to get the name of a city wrong, at least say it quietly. Like, at least whisper it or something like that. Because she was, like, in Los Angeles, and she was like, Anaheim! And he was like, at least not be confident about it. Okay, please. Like, at least <laughs> Stop screaming the wrong thing. That you don't know. We have to do a mini set on Ethel. Oh, my gosh. Ethel, Ethel is everything that we've said she is. But also, Ethel, like how high strung she is and like nuts she is, she could also get that paranoid and insecure. I can imagine. Yeah. I feel like anyone who has really high highs also has a really fine line of like a breaking point. This is okay. so sad. I just flipped to, quote, my dear Jack. Wah. Okay. I had so many people message us about just bawling their eyes out at the end of Peter's episode where he writes to Jack 20 years post-death. Just what the Kennedy people, the Kennedy family, all the members meant to people is nuts. Like, even more than they just changed society at large, they changed individual people's lives yes, the course of the their life. the people who knew them. Like, straight up, the people who knew one them. One-on-one. That's a hard thing to do. I feel like Normally, it's like MLK more so, where you're like, I was really literally good. thinking of the same example to compare. And I was like, should I do that? I don't know but if I even should do that. I, but, and even Churchill, like, was he a great dad? Yeah. Did, he was he seemed like he had society? anger issues and nobody liked him. Yeah. But he saved the world. He saved the world. So It's normally you're saving the world or you're a great family person. Right. To be both, that's hard. Oh, this is interesting. This is a little... uh. Not not a Maryland note, but it is a note from our Maryland, Maryland episodes. Further proving more voices in the choir to say, although there would be rumors of Bobby Kennedy's infidelity, Peter frequently told me that they were not true. He stated, often with some surprise, that the only time Bobby was ever involved with a woman other than his wife was during a brief, rather intense affair with Claudine Longuet. Wait. I think that's freaking Andy Williams' wife. Who's Claudine Williams? or Claudine? The one that Ethel wrote him and said, I don't think this is true, right? Because like she's so insecure. <gasps> no, that's the one that actually was happening. She actually had to be really oh, suspicious no. of that. Let me look this I'm up. I'm sad. Uh, yes, it says she was then the wife of entertainer Andy Williams, a close friend of Ethel Kennedy. Uh Bobby, you freaking idiot. So are we revealing that in this episode? I feel like we can't. There's, we just can't. 
are we seriously just going to drop that in the Maryland cave? <laughs> <laughs> hey, deep cut listeners only. Yeah, Privileged information. People are going to be devastated. Well, I'm not going to put it in the freaking assassination, assassination episode. No. People are going to be devastated. That's not fair. This has been a lesson in people are just humans and you just take the fish, spit out the bones, and that's fine. Like people make mistakes, make make mistakes, and nobody is above it. Truly, like, none of us, none of us, yeah, none of exactly. us have arrived. But all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, for context, I was telling Bethany this earlier. I found something terrifying <laughs> about Bobby and Ethel. So there's this letter from Ethel to Andy Williams saying, like, "Hey." um, have you been hearing these rumors about the affair between my husband, Bobby, and your wife, Claudine? I don't think those are true, right? Like, kind of fishing for confirmation. confirmation. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't need to worry. Oh, so I am reading this, like, not knowing anything else. And it was in the part of a book where it was showing a lot of instances where Ethel was believing headlines that were just absolute rubbish and wild and she's like assuming she that call, Joan is yeah, like she mad calls at her Joan and, yeah. based on like a tabloid article she was like you didn't tell me you were mad at me Joan is like what, what are, are you, you talking, talking about? about Joan is Teddy's wife by the uh-huh. way what are you talking about Ethel I'm not mad at you well I read that blah 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 and then it's like she still wasn't convinced even after she had talked to Joan and Joan said I am not mad at you that's, that's just not true yeah she and was she like still hmm. Yeah. And she would literally have her assistant clip out the articles and she would save them. <laughs> what in the world? I thought that was hilarious. But apparently Jackie did as well. Ja- well, Jackie didn't save them like Ethel did. Ethel clipped them out and put them in binders and like saved them to look back on. And she would address the, the issues in the, the tabloids in her real life, which is what Jackie also did. I don't think Jackie saved the articles, but okay. she would like, if if she saw that the tabloids said, Jackie doesn't like this person or is mad she about this. She would call that person. She would call and say like, hey, I saw this article. Don't believe it. I, I don't feel that way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She also apparently would sometimes clip them out and write on them and then send them in a letter to the person <laughs> that it was about that was either like, we need to be more discreet yeah. or what about this? Or it, like an arrow and then she would write in the margin. Yeah. Note here. <laughs> Who has time for that, first of all, with 11 children? Oh, well, she did have an assistant and the assistant <laughs> was the one that was supposed to come through all the magazines and collect any of the articles that Ethel was a part of. Or like I can in. just like see her. Most so, people are like clipping coupons. She's like at the dining room table clipping, clipping articles about herself, writing on them, <laughs> licking the envelopes, sending them off. And she's like, hmm, what about she, this? So what about this? So if you think about it though, who's her best friend? Yeah. Jean, Miss Petty herself. Yeah, Miss like Marilyn Monroe. I heard that you and Bobby are quite the thing. Dad thought it was cute. Anyways, they so yeah, they are uh they definitely did not grow out of the uh happy husband hunting club. Legit. Era. They stayed in that era. <laughs> happy posh punks. Then in the future We should add Petty. Proppy petty posh punks. Okay, they've escalated. <laughs> and in fact, in their later years, <laughs> they became petty. 
Uh, they also became extremely famous and I cannot imagine the amount of power and privilege at their fingertips. Who wouldn't get a little bit well, of a Well, and I head? don't even know, like sometimes I, I feel like it's more out of defense than offense. What do you mean? I mean, like, I know what you mean, but- Maryland's coming at their family, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to pry it Just, apart. Yeah, obviously so they're defensive. not- Yeah, they're not it's like not, inserting themselves. Yeah, it's not like- But Ethel kind of Massey did. Massey in the clique, she's like- Ethel kind of did do that though. Uh, not in, to public, but like to the in-laws, to Jackie, to Joan. But see, that was still defense because Jackie was getting too close to Bobby. No, I'm talking about earlier- Oh. Like her just like spiteful, mean. Yeah, she did do that to Joan. One time Joan showed up in a full leather leopard. <laughs> Can you imagine? She's going swimming in full leather. <laughs> she she was that that every right. We like a full spandex suit. <laughs> so what about every right to say something about that? Not spandex. What's that thing called? Vinyl. What is it? Pleather. I know what you're talking about, but I like can't the think shiny, of the word. Yes. The freaking like basically plastic. Polyurethane. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to talk about that. The future. Um, I was going to talk about all of that after. Later. Okay. Well, never mind, you guys. You'll get to hear about Ethel later on. And it's a bit um, paradigm shifting. If It is. It is, but it, but it isn't. isn't. She is the little child, happy-go-lucky, yes. same wild girl that we know. It's just a little bit more dynamic than we gave her credit for, it's I guess. The it's full, the full picture of yeah. it. Like, she is an overgrown middle school yep. rich kid. That's exactly it. So, <laughs> you need the... It's all there. It's the full picture it's of that. It's the full picture. I was going to say, meanwhile, you were going to hear more about Bobby because we're talking about that right now, right? The affair. The full picture we never wanted. That one doesn't bother me as much. Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. Everyone makes mistakes. Like, you can go down the, the, the list of everyone you know. Yeah. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck. I just... Also, Bobby's mistake could you have be? been the freaking angry, abusive phone calls. That could have been his. True. Cup of tea. I would have been satisfied with that. I don't know why it doesn't bother me as much. Like, I'm just like, you're still so Ew, I'm good just to me. I'm picturing this other girl and I'm just like, oh, I'm, so I guess it's like King David. Well, yeah. Like, it doesn't. Great. If I could be Bobby Kennedy, I would be. Exactly. So, that doesn't mean it doesn't suck that we're not God. And we come right back. <laughs> you don't understand. I just don't expect you just that don't understand. That's why you're like, you're so critical. You're such a pessimist. You think, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not. I'm an idealist. And in the ideal world, we would all be God. Yeah. And we're not. And that's disappointing. I can't even see what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> it's a great life. So it is not... 100% confirmed, but it does seem... So, like, what some of the books that I've read kind of act like this was a rumor in the tabloids, very much like lots of other rumors that Ethel globally believed. Like, when she thought that Joan was mad at her and Joan's like, what are you talking about? And Ethel's still like, hmm, Giving keep it that credibility. letter. Keep yeah. that letter for the archives. I may need it. Um, or that article, I mean. So, some... Some books, yeah, make it seem like it's another one of those just like tabloidy. Ethel was being insecure. She 
is second guessing things that she doesn't need to be wondering about. Then other books make it seem like that was the one, which the really damning evidence is that Peter Lawford allegedly told his last wife, Pat, not Kennedy, Seton Lawford, that that was the one time that Alter Boy Bobby did have any relationship with any other woman. Other than Ethel. Other than Ethel. That was his one cheating moment. Yeah. Which she has been like a fairly credible, there hasn't been anything that she said that's like, what are you talking about? Everything, yeah, seems seems to line up with who these people are. And she's like, yeah, Peter told me anytime Bobby was ever like associated with women, it was because of Jack. It wasn't that he was having a, a relationship with them or having any type of um, sexual activity with them. He's literally just trying to manage his brother. So I tend to think that it is true because in every book, they all agree that it's this one woman that there's the that there's yeah. speculation around. It's Andy Williams' wife. The letter from Ethel is basically, hey, Andy, who was one of her best friends, um, are you hearing these rumors about Claudine and Bobby? Ha ha. Tell me I they're not true. I tend to not think that that's correct, right? Yeah, and there aren't any rumors really about anyone else. else. And then the ones that are just speculating are saying it's a rumor, but they're not for sure. It's like it, it, they don't say for sure it wasn't true. Bobby didn't have the affair. Right. But in Peter's like... It seemed like Peter knew. It seemed like there was no discussion about it. It was just, this is the facts. This is the one time. And it did say a very short term, but passionate affair. I know. I want to know all the details. I want to know like six months. Was it a month? Was it two years? Was it a week? <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. Could not have been a week. No. It had to have been for at least three months in my mind. Because you don't Why? have, it has to be, like, it needs to be a decent amount of time. Why? That's the one time. Any length of time marks the mark. It happened. A passionate, emotional, a short-lived, but passionate. Love, you don't fall in love with someone in a week. No, you don't. No, you don't fall in love with someone in a week, but it's not an affair until you consummate the relationship. So. I disagree. In Peter's mind. I disagree. In Peter's mind. Not in our mind. Not what I feel cheated on. In Peter's mind. I don't know. I think. And I do think. I think that the He wouldn't have said it was an affair it, until it was physical. Yes. But, and I, yeah, it had to have been physical as well as emotional. But I think the physical aspect of it <laughs> could have been literally once, twice. That's what I'm saying. Hardly any time at all. Yeah. But the emotional, like, secret growing feelings How did had they do to that? have like, been phone calls? long-term-ish. Because yeah, where did phone- these people live? Because she's in California with Andy Williams in, Ho- in Hollywood, in L.A. And he's in, Bobby's in D.C. And, like, the whole uh, illicit affairs, clandestine meetings, and longing stares, like... I think it could have started out like with their double dating with Ethel and Andy and yeah, they just. But I'm like, was it her? Because in my mind, for an affair to happen, like one person has to. Make a move. Yeah. 
like start testing the waters first of are you on the same page as me? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's Bobby Kennedy, freaking altar boy Bobby. And, and you're it friends also with the seems wife. like a little outlandish for me to think that Bobby made the first move. That's what he didn't go there. At. He didn't do that ever. That's what I'm kind of getting. So it's kind like, of getting at. Like yeah. I can see it being a whole Maryland thing of oh, we're friendly. And then it turns. And then, yeah, Bobby's thinking that he... And then he doesn't say no. Should have said no. You should have gone home. Should have thought twice. Yeah, because if Bobby did anything wrong, he did too much. Yeah. He backed Jack for way too many things (laughs) that he shouldn't have been. And covered up way too many freaking things. Covered up way too many things. Went too hard on the phone with the producers in Hollywood for Maryland. Yeah, he overdid it. He shouldn't have even been talking to Marilyn. Like, he literally set up there to be an opportunity for rumors. And was what he did wrong? No. But I as far I, as them being, like, foolish and um, reckless, like, obviously, yeah, they were reckless. Yeah. People with that notoriety don't talk to Marilyn Monroe unless you want to be culpable for an affair. And he knew, too, all about Hoover, all about the wiretapping, all, all about, about... Yeah, people were going to write this down. They were reckless, for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, he put him himself out there too much. He took on too much responsibility. Everything that came across his path, he questioned whether he should pick it up or not. Yeah. Most people do not do that. Yeah. So I think it would have had to have fallen into his lap. I do too. It's, it's just the one out of a one. Yeah. Like uh, out of a and he lifetime. Was just so busy and that just was not his MO whatsoever. You don't just what you're gonna get hit on the head one day and then go out and seek that out and then you stop. Yeah. No. And the way that Peter described it. And you don't just randomly fall in love with this perfect person for you, just like a once in a lifetime. Like that, no. You know what I mean? You're not like... No, I don't know what you mean. Like, if she didn't instigate it at all, but he was just so mesmerized and in love with her from across the room. I just do... The people just don't... People are not that amazing. You know what I mean? The accuracy of Peter's remarks was later confirmed by William Sullivan, the man who was third in command of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI under J. Edgar Hoover, which... In his book, The Bureau, My 30 Years in Hoover's FBI, Sullivan stated, quote, Although Hoover was desperately trying to catch Bobby Kennedy red-handed at anything, Kennedy was almost a Puritan. We used to watch him at parties where he would order one glass of scotch and still be sipping from the same glass two hours later. The stories about Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe were just stories. This is all still the FBI guy talking. The original story was invented by a so-called journalist, a right-wing zealot who had a history of spinning wild yarns. It spread like wildfire, of course. And J. Edgar Hoover was right there, gleefully fanning the flames. End quote from the third highest person in the FBI. That was... That still is quote. still the quote. I'm telling you. Like, Shut end up. quote. Fanning the fl- fanning the flames. End quote. Gleefully oh. fanning the flame. Like oh. he was a part of it. He's coming clean because he was in that. He did it too. You know. 
this freaking we document the by fire. Yeah. an anonymous guy in 1964 who can't give credibility to his source and deleted his own name. That is just, and then, yeah, there's people who were there who were like, yeah. Hoover did it. It was a rumor. It was a part of a smear campaign. But Blood and Business is here to, to clear the account. That is really crazy because you think, you just think about the power. And you know what's crazy? is like of you one, feel- Of one person's- Oh, yeah. J. Edgar Hoover, who's freaking high on his power. But I'm Absolutely. saying how many people are there like that right now? Like, truly, yeah. you have to dig deep to understand the story. Mm-hmm. Because even the most... Um, and I even freaking... Like, morally... Sh- you know what I mean? Like, he was so morally righteous Hoover, like, trying to take out all He's the bad He's literally guys supposed and- to be the guy investigating to find the truth on everything. Just sitting there listening to tapes of MLK having affairs and yeah he's supposed to be that Marilyn and Jack had a long-term relationship written like the diary of a little girl what I'm trying to say is you have to dig so deep to find the truth that I didn't even freaking include that quote in the freaking episode because there's so much and I just like there's There's so many books and there's so much to compile so that's why the KFMs are great because stuff that doesn't make it in we can still it in. make it in. But that's nuts. It's basically like FBI guy being like, hey, by the way, all those FBI evidence pieces, nah. Not really evidence for Not anything. At all. But the fact that Hoover had a stick up his butt about the Kennedys. And Bobby was puritanical, like Pat. <laughs> that's so crazy, though. So then, and it was so widely acknowledged that Hoover was so emotional about the Kennedys. Like, he actually hated them. Yeah. Like, he was out. And he was so, so corrupt and just did whatever he wanted. Everyone knows that. Yeah. He just followed his own, just attacked people Mm -hmm. that he deemed attack worthy. Mm -hmm. So, Patricia Seaton Lawford goes on. Peter said that in most instances where Bobby was linked to some woman, it was because of Jack. (laughs) The woman was having an affair that had become blatant enough that Bobby felt it might compromise the White House. He was taking upon himself the role of convincing the woman that it was time to leave his brother alone. So legit, Bobby is the cleanup dude. He just And that's it. He wasn't a grabber. He wasn't Promising uh, to marry Marilyn Monroe. What's that guy's or what's that girl's name? Yeah, what Gene Martin. He Bobby was not a grabber. He was a chip off the old block. It's what just did she say? Annoying. An apple that didn't fall far from the tree. Whatever the guy shoot. He was their father's son. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was Rose he was Kennedy's definitely son. Not. No, his father told him shit to his face lots of times. I don't know where you Get off with this freaking compassion and sympathy and moral compass. Black Robert. I know I didn't teach you that. Black Robert. (laughs) Who are you to kill the party, to kill the mood? He wouldn't even say innocent little jokes. Legit. Like, you can corrupt, but you you aren't going to go that far from who you are. No, Jack later in the bathtub in the hospital at, like, 16 years old. And that's the difference right there. Bobby wouldn't even say a dirty joke or listen to one. 
in middle school when he shouldn't know right from wrong. Right. Like, like, where he should he's, be, I mean, right from wrong, yes, but like, wrong things. yeah. Not know the severity of it. And not realize that you don't want to be associated like, yeah, so that's severe. not the person like, you want to be. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't know that. Bobby did. <laughs> Bobby did. Peter never discussed the reasons that Jack and Ted Kennedy were so determined to have sex without commitment perhaps because this was a lifestyle he also enjoyed. In Peter's case, much of the blame may go back to the way he was raised. With the Kennedys, the brothers were probably influenced by the lifestyle of their father. Probably. A man whose actions gave the family both their fortune and their early notoriety. Okay, so we have to tell you something. There's going to be an abrupt ending to season two. Okay, we're telling them that much. However, don't fret for too long. You will be left to sulk in your own tears, but... But for a moment. For a moment. And then we will have at least a little bit more to give you. Don't know when. Don't know where. But you will find us in between waking and sleeping. It won't be in season two, but we'll be back to tell you all the forgotten secrets of the Kennedys after Camelot. There's something cute and funny in this one. This story is from The Kennedy Women by Lawrence Lemer. This is at Eunice and Sarge's wedding. Listen to this. Quote, Somebody decided that in honor of the Shrivers, everyone should sing Maryland, my Maryland. I guess it's a song about the state of Maryland. Okay. (laughs) Recalled Red Faye. That was fine until the Kennedys started singing Marilyn, my Marilyn in honor of Marilyn Monroe and the Shrivers were appalled. They were singing Marilyn, my Marilyn at their wedding. No, they were not. At the reception held in the Starlight Roof Room, the guests sat down to a dinner and later danced. The wedding cake was so tall that Eunice had to stand on a chair to cut the first piece. Eunice told the guests, quote, I found a man who is as much like my father as possible. Although the Shrivers were a distinguished old family, so it's Sarge's family that's appalled. (laughs) There was no question this evening but that Sarge was marrying and all together now into the Kennedy family. (laughs) It was not a Shriver wedding. It was a Kennedy wedding. Sarge showed up at it. Okay. And at the reception, the Kennedys break out into a song honoring Marilyn Monroe and the Shrivers are just appalled. Um, Wait, so what? Uh, Eunice got married what year? In the 50s, right? Yeah, this was pre. This was in 1953. Right before Jack? No, a year later, I think. Or maybe the same year. Yeah, he, he got married in 53. Okay, yeah, the same year. Because they were married like five months apart. a decade. I think Eunice got married right before Jack. Okay, wait. Um, I'm. You have the month there. Yeah, May of 1953. This is September. 12th. Yeah. So Eunice got married before Jack. That's kind of shocking. And Eunice got married late, and Jack was older. Yeah. <laughs> How old was Jack? Thirty-six, because he was mm-hmm. forty-six when he died, right? Yeah, I think so. Thirty-six, and 
Sarge Shriver was even older. He was like 42. He was old when they got married. And they were together for a while before. Seven like years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, um, it's like a nothing story, but it's just kind of eerie and funny because it's so early. 1953. So that's, a, that's like nine years before Jack ended up sleeping with Marilyn. Like she was famous for a long a time. A long time. I didn't realize that, you know? Yeah. Um, he was born in 1915. So how old was he? Who? In 15. Sarge? 1915 to 1953. So 40. No. No, he's only 38. Okay, almost 40. Whatever. Yeah, that's for that for back then. I feel like that's decently old. Pretty bloody old. And he didn't seem it. And he literally was like he looked quite active p- politically for a long time. And he looked quite younger than Eunice did for quite a long time. <laughs> I think just because yeah, she was so ill. Also, since we're talking about um, marriages, someone did clarify that they saw an article that said that Stephen Smith was in was fact an Irish Catholic. Was he Irish Catholic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Irish Catholic. Okay, here we go. Yeah, because he was super Irish. We were questioning the Catholic part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also in the Kennedy women, even Jack felt sorry for poor Peter. He became infuriated reading a column by Drew Pearson suggesting that he had become bored having the actor around. That Jack was bored having Peter around? Uh-huh. Quote, That goddamn Pearson, Jack said, The whole article is a filthy lie. It's so unfair. Now that Peter's having a rough time, this is plain cruel. Here I am, President of the United States, and I can't do anything to stop a bum like Pearson. Mm. He cared. Let's see. Jack was everything to the Kennedy sisters, and they would go to any length to defend and shelter him from damage. In her early years in Hollywood, Pat had known Marilyn Monroe with the ersatz intimacy common to celebrities, a gushing friendliness behind which lay Almost nothing. Oh, I don't believe that. I didn't understand anything. <laughs> um, she, he's saying like Pat knew Marilyn with the common intimacy among celebrities that you like are super good friends, but you don't know any, you don't know them at all. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe this. Okay. So never mind. What book is that? The Kennedy Women. Wait, well, you're going to tell the happy birthday story, right? Yeah. And then there was one other thing that you said that you'll they'll hear more about that later. What was that? Mm. Oh, the whole, like how much he, she embarrassed him and how when they were living together, because we barely talked about that they even dated and that they lived together in the main episodes. We still need to talk about. Shoot. Yeah. But that's not in here. She was severely jacked up, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime that she could get any... It's like she was having a battle. It was like that battle between two wolves. The Yeah, the she did instant not gratification be, and the long term. Yeah. She did not want to be yep. some jerk off in the freaking balconies eye candy. Yet she also could not help but want to be naked with anyone and everyone who would look. It's like Peter. It's like the sex addiction. Like he. It's separate. Yeah. 
And for her, it killed the real girl. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe truly took over. Yeah. It's almost like she wanted to go back and never have started Marilyn Monroe. But like because she was in so deep, she had put on the mask for so long, she couldn't, she couldn't take it off. Separate. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's that's a freaking Twilight Zone episode. Where you yeah. put the mask on, and then eventually it it like joins with your skin, and you can't take it off. Yeah. And if you just wouldn't have never put it on the first place, you may have made it out alive, but you did, and you can't go back. Welcome to the Hotel California, where you can check in, but you can never leave. Join us here next week to hear all about what really happened inside that room during Marilyn's final hours. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us a review on Apple, rate us on Spotify, and share Blood and Business with a friend or a sibling. If you'd like to support the show, the best way is to become a patron of Blood and Business. You will get bonus content every month, including a monthly bonus episode, interactive main episodes, and behind-the-scenes footage. To keep up with us day-to-day, you can follow us at Blood and Business on Instagram and TikTok. You can find the link for Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon in the show notes below. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you back here next week for your regularly scheduled programming on Blood and business.